Guru Nation, thank you for checking out another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. If this is your first time here, or maybe not, I appreciate it. Like, subscribe, leave a review. I really appreciate it. I wanted to get my sponsors out of the way. The first one is my DSCS site network. We help sites get studies, help them do their budgets, help them with SOPs, a shoulder to cry on, anything you can think of. We help sites across the country do. The more sites in our network, the easier it is for us to get studies and from sponsors and CROs directly. If you're interested, check out the link in the show notes, a low monthly subscription fee. That's my company. Also, CRA Academy. If you're interested in learning how to become a CRA, check out the CRA Academy. The only program out there with a real internship opportunity through my CRO for all graduates of the Academy. Also, CRC Academy, same thing, but for coordinators with real internship opportunities. And now I wanted to get to my sponsors who help make this show consistently available to you and well-produced. First one is Viva Site Vault. Links in the show notes. Free electronic investigator site file. Free digital signatures. Free delegation of authorities log, all digital, go paperless. It's completely free. If you ever wanted to try going digital, at least for the investigator site file, check out Viva, link in the show notes. Next is Versatrial. It keeps your study portals organized. It's collaborative. So all staff at your site can get access and use it. We have 12 15 links sometimes per study to different portals. This keeps everything in one place. It keeps all your passwords. So it's just one click. And it also has an amazing feasibility tool to help you do feasibility surveys a lot quicker and a lot more efficiently for free. Next sponsor is Creo. This is the only one that's not free, but I think it's well worth it. It's eSource, it's eReg, it's CTMS, it's patient recruitment, it's patient payments. And you don't need to try all those things at once. You pay for what you need, but it is amazing. Once you start using it, most likely for the e-source, you're gonna want the CTMS. You're gonna want the automatic invoicing. So when you click on your e-source, dry ice was used for a lab, it will automatically send the invoice to the sponsor for the dry ice, saves you time. Countless things like this in Creo, amazing tool, check it out. Next sponsor is Inato for experienced sites. If you wanna get studies for free, Inato's the way to go. I just got my first study recently through Inato. It did take a few studies for me to filter through, but Inato actually does a really good job of making sure that it's a study that you actually wanna take. And they even do one-on-one -on -one Zoom calls with you and your PI or whomever from the site wants to join to see if a study is the right fit for you. And it's absolutely free. They get nothing out of it. I think the sponsors pay them on the back end. And it's amazing. So check it out. Inato, link underneath in the show notes, free. Finally, my last sponsor, 1N Health. This is a central patient recruitment vendor. They currently do not work with sites. But if you're a sponsor or a CRO, they are the best. I've used all of them. I've been doing this for 17 years plus. They are the best leads, the best interface for coordinators. You can text patients directly from the portal. 
they literally saved one of my studies recently, both at my site. We were just screen failing patients left and right until we finally used one end health and we got ourselves a respectable randomization number all through one end health. And they also did this entire study wide sponsor was able to end enrollment successfully because of them. I've never used, I've never been a fan of central patient recruitment vendors. This is the best one. Check them all out. Links in the show notes. Guru Nation, thank you so much for watching. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share. Really means a lot to me. Uh, first of all, let's go through all the sponsors. Creo, Viva. Today's going to be all about Viva. 1N Health, Versatrial, and Inato. Links underneath the video and in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. So today what we're going to do is we're going to go through Site Vault, so sites.viva.com. We're going to go through their free, absolutely free regulatory binder. So you don't need to pay for Viva at all. If you're a site, you just go to sites.viva.com, sign up. Boom, you get your free EISF. That comes with free digital signatures, free delegation of duties log, which is what we're actually teaching right now in the CRC Academy is the delegation of duties. So I'm going to go through, I have one of my studies open here on Site Vault, and we're going to go through each folder, what goes in there, and Viva Site Vault keeps the, these folders the same for all your studies, which is probably a good thing because anyone who's been doing research long enough you know that in these investigative site files you'll have like different orders there's never a consistency of section one is this section two is this so it's kind of hard to find oftentimes like based on the study where certain things go uh with viva site vault they're all like you have no choice it's all structured the same way for every study yes it is allowed um, you and they give you SOPs for it too. If you need to uh, put that in writing, how are you gonna keep your folders organized? So the very first, let's see, we're gonna go through the folders: key study materials, participant-facing materials, participants, IRB, regulatory submission, other committees, monitoring, PI oversight staff, study training, safety, IP and supplies, lab correspondence, contracts and budgets, and feasibility. Those are the folders. So we're going to go through one by one to see what that is. And the good thing is you can put like whatever you want in these folders too. Like the first one, key study materials. That sounds pretty vague. Well, that's where, at least in our study here, I see protocol. I see informed consent and I see investigator brochure. Uh, I see another folder that has lab manual and the procedures. So every study has different labs. Every study has different order of things that you need to draw, how often you need a centrifuge. Do you need to refrigerate? Do you need to refrigerate centrifuge? Is the ambient centrifuge? How do you ship it? Do you ship it ambient? Do you ship it frozen? That's You're going to find all that information in the lab manual as well as the procedures. And they're often very detailed, although sometimes not as detailed as we would like because we had a study recently I'm not going to mention who it is, but it was extremely complicated labs. And the lab manual was actually not that detailed. Uh, but for the most part, that's where you're going to find the information on how to do your labs and all the procedures. 
is in the manuals and procedures. The next folder, sponsor CRO contact information. So the sponsor info is contacts like who's the medical monitor, who's your CRA, who's the project manager, who is the pharmacovigilance team, and probably a whole bunch of other people in there that you may or may not ever want to talk to. They're all in there. Uh, CRO contact information, that is where you have your monitor, your project manager, uh, in-house CRA or remote site monitor, whatever your particular study uses, you can put them there. The next folder, still under key study materials, is clinical study report, which in this case is probably the EDC um, screenshots. And then the next folder in key study materials is site contact details. So who's the coordinator? Who's What's their email? What's their phone number? Uh, who's the PI? Who's the sub by? Things like that. All right. All that is in the first folder, key study materials. The next folder, by the way, this is good for like job interviews. If you guys have a job interview coming up, these are basically what's in a regulatory binder or investigative site file. So... The next folder in my site's site vault is participant facing. So what we have is recruiting material and we put informed consent, the templates of the informed consent. So informed consent templates, um, participant information sheet, advertisement for recruitment, IRB approvals for anything recruitment. If you want to run social media ads, if you want to run internet ads, if you want to run newspaper ads if you want to run tv ads those scripts all that stuff goes in there they have to be irb approved if you're going to get study specific they have to be irb approved you do not need irb approval for generic ads let's say your site does a bunch of depression studies and you have a generic ad that says hey we are conducting studies for depression you don't need irb approval for those but always check with your irb i'm just a guy on youtube you should always check with somebody else. Next folder. So again, the first two folders, key study materials, participant facing. Now it's participants folder. So this is all the logs, informed consent log, screening and enrollment log, um, participant enrollment log, participant ID code list. Here is where we have the deviations log for each particular subject, specimen tracking log, for each particular subject and participant adverse event log for each particular subject. These, these last, well, the protocol deviation log and the participant adverse event log, these are two things that have overlap between regulatory binders and source documents. So that's where there's some redundancy because a deviation happens on a patient, it should go in the patient source. Same thing with the adverse event. It should go in the patient source. But if the investigator site file asks for that information, it should go in the regulatory binder as well. So that's the participant folder. The next folder is the IRB folder. So this is everything with IRB submissions. The coordinators who you can't see right now, they did IRB submission earlier today if if you anytime you get a new study you do irb submission 
anytime you have a protocol deviation that's patient patient safety affected, you send it to the IRB. Anytime you get any correspondence between the IRB and the site, that goes in the IRB folder. Literally anything, any communication with IRB or any actual forms or any serious adverse events uh, or deviations that go to the IRB, they go in this folder too, copies of that. Uh, and then another folder in the IRB folder is the compliance. So these are the IRB composition, IRB compliance. So this is the IRB member roster, all right? Every IRB has a member roster. I believe they change it every year. So you always wanna get the active member roster of the IRB uh, and whatever other miscellaneous things that you probably, let's face it, like you don't care about, but you need to file. That's part of what regulatory is or things for regulatory purposes, they go in there. So that's the IRB section. So, so far we went key study materials, participant facing, participants, IRB. The next section is regulatory authority submission. And this is if you, if you have like state specific or country specific things uh, to file, they would go here. Uh, or if you have like local regulatory agencies, in our case, our site doesn't have any of this. So ours is blank, but just in case you do, or you need to, we have this folder here in Viva. So yours will probably be blank, probably 80% of the time. Uh, the next folder is other committees, ancillary submission, ancillary committee response. Again, ours is blank because sometimes sites have other committees overseeing their research. Ours doesn't. Things would go there. The next section is monitoring. So this is where your monitoring visit confirmation letters and your monitoring visit follow-up letters will go and your monitoring visit log. Now, the most important one of all these is the monitoring visit follow-up letter because in those follow-up letters, you'll have all the action items from each monitoring visit and those will give you things to do prior to the next monitoring visit. These are called action items that need to get completed. And in those action items, they could be things about patient source. They could be things about regulatory. They could be things about um, investigational product. They could be really anything having to do with the study that are action items. They will go on the monitoring visit letters. The next folder is PI oversight. So this is the investigator brochure signature page. This is the protocol signature page, the delegation of authorities log, which is what I was telling you guys, we were just learning in the CRC Academy and the 1572 form. These are PI oversight things and they go in there. I did a whole nother video, like probably 30 minutes on these four things. So those are all in that folder. The next folder is staff research staff so qualifications cv medical license training evidence of study specific or non-study specific things these days these trials have let's look in my other sponsors first a trial links right now i have one two three four five six seven eight nine ten i have about 17 links all right i would say about half of those links have some sort of training 
from the staff, whether it's the sub investigator, whether it's the study coordinators, whether it's the PI, you have to have evidence of these trainings. Another evidence of training is good clinical practice, right? As Dr. Joe, our sub I just walked in the room, he just did his good clinical practice training recently. So that goes in there. So CVs, medical license, training evidence, and then any signatures, um, whether they did extra uh, training or anything else that requires a signature and initials that go in there. The next folder after staff, again, this is in Viva Site Vault. So your regulatory binder might be different, but if you use Site Vault for free, which is the only option they have is free, it's going to be this order. Study training. And this is what, from day one, we train staff on the new protocol. All right. So whenever you have new staff, new staff member joins or a new study, or you just need to retrain your existing staff for whatever reason. We just had a CAPA plan recently on one of our studies. That's corrective action, preventative action. You can do a training log. And so that's training log and the materials and the evidence to support the training. So that goes in there. Very important. The next thing is safety. So adverse events, adverse event report, serious adverse events. And the serious adverse events also go to this IRB. So there's some overlap between the IRB and the safety. The next section is investigational product and supply. So in here, we put the investigator brochure. And we have some redundancies, so we put the investigator brochure in the essential documents as well as in the IP because, remember, investigator brochure is everything that is known about the investigational product. So that goes in this section. Same thing with the marketed product material. Um, IP accountability log. I know we just did that on another study in the log. IP destruction. Sometimes at the end of a study, the site has to destroy the IP. Other times in other studies, uh, you ship it back to the sponsor. Whatever the case may be, you have to document it and you have to keep it as a record in your site file, which Site Vault makes it easy for you to do. IP excursions. Anytime there is a temperature excursion, you can't just assume, hey, it's okay. I'm just going to give the patient the drug. You have to you have to walk through a series of steps, usually it's submitting forms to the sponsor to allow for approval. Sometimes the sponsor will say, no, you know what? We need to like quarantine this IP and we need to actually ship you new one because we don't feel confident that this would be okay from a regulatory perspective. More often than not, if the IP excursion was not too out of range, they allow it, but you can't just assume it's like not a big deal. You have to get it in writing. This is where it goes. IP instructions. How do you distribute? When should the patient take it? IP sample label. IP and supply shipping. So when did you receive the IP? Who received it? Was it acceptable? Um, equipment log. This is where the calibration log comes in at the site. Every site needs equipment, whether it's getting weight, whether it's getting vital signs, whether it's the centrifuge, whatever the case may be, ECG, they have to be calibrated. These are calibrated equipments. 
so that's where the calibration log goes. And based on your SOP, you either need to do it once a year, twice a year, once every two years. It doesn't really matter how often you do it. I think once a year is safe, but some sites do it twice a year and some sites do it every two years. So whatever the sponsor wants and whatever is in your SOPs, that's what you should do. The next thing is IP quality complaint. So this one is if you receive the IP, but it was not an acceptable condition, you can document it there. You're obviously not going to distribute. You would probably reconcile it, but you're not going to distribute IP. That's um, not an acceptable condition. The next section is lab. Okay. So whether you're using a central lab, which is a sponsor appointed lab or a local lab, this is the section for you. So lab certification. So that's going to be the cap, the certificate of accreditation for the lab. That's going to be the lab normal ranges. Every lab is going to have what's considered normal. It's not going to be the same for every, every site's lab. Some sites use SonoraQuest. Other sites might use LabCorp. Other site in, in Montana might use something else. So what's the lab normal ranges? for your particular lab. Now, if it's a central lab, that's fine. Most of the sites are using the central lab, but you still need the normal ranges. Those are usually easier to find. Lab director qualifications. This is where you need the CV of the lab, the, the person who's the director of the lab. They usually need their CV and their qualifications. Uh, so the lab part's pretty simple. Again, we put our lab manual in key study materials we could have put it in the lab section too. Matter of fact, that might have made more sense, but the coordinator who designed what goes in what folder in this study, that's the way they did it, and that's fine with me too. As long as it's in there somewhere, it's okay. Correspondence and notes is the next section. So any monitoring, we already talked about the monitoring letter, but this is like site activation. Hey, here's the official letter that the site is active and ready to enroll. Here's correspondence from medical monitor about anything. Maybe you have a patient who's on the fence about whether you think they qualify or not. Maybe somebody's out of window for their randomization. Maybe somebody's on an exclusionary med, but they just washed off. And you need to follow up with the medical monitor. Hey, will you allow this? Any kind of correspondence like that I like to put it in the subject source, but we also like to put it in the investigator site file. Same thing, just make a copy and put it in both places because this is actually correspondence for a study. And then note to files. Note to files, you guys know, might be my favorite thing in the world. Don't ever use them either. I think actually going digital, like using Viva Site Vault and using Creo kind of reduces the need for note to files, like especially in Creo with the eSource, we just do progress notes or everything that kind of replaced the note to file. Um, but note to file, sometimes you need it for regulatory. A perfect example is staff member left before we can get them to initial their, their close date on the DOA log or um, staff member left before they can hand in their, their latest version of their CV. Those would be explained in a note to file, and because those are regulatory items, they would be put in the regulatory section, correspondence and notes. Next section, I like to leave it blank. 
but you can put it there is contracts and budgets. The reason I like to leave it blank is as long as we just discussed note to files, as long as you put a note to file in your contracts and budget section that says the contract and budget is kept with the site owner or director, that's fine. The FDA cannot audit that at that point. If it's in the investigator site file, though, the FDA can audit it. And you don't want to give them extra reason to audit anything. So most sites leave this part blank. They just put a note to file. But there is a place here where you can put that if you want. This is where the budget goes, where the contract goes. The confidentiality agreement goes. So this would be the CDA, the contract, the data privacy, the insurance. Does the site have general liability, medical malpractice? And then the last section, at least in Viva Site Vault, is the feasibility. So the feasibility questionnaire. And here we put the protocol synopsis. And that's basically it. That's an investigator site file in a nutshell. And that's with Site Vault. And again, Site Vault, you can't change these folders. You can't change the order. That's how it is. They made a very strategic decision about that. But in your investigative site file, it might be all kinds of different orders. So one of the things I respect Viva for, not only is it free for sites, they're trying to empower sites. By the way, a lot of these things in Viva, you can sign it within Site Vault without having to print and then upload. You can just e-sign it. It's amazing. that Just that alone for the e-signature is worth learning a new tool, especially if it's a company like Viva. You know they're not going anywhere. They're one of the most reputable and companies that have been around probably the longest in this industry so edoa log e-signatures everything's in there free go check it out sites.viva.com like subscribe comment share catch you guys later bye bye